We are on the same lesson we've been on for a few weeks. It's lesson four. Anybody needs one? We've got some more up here. Yes. Okay. And we've been talking about the atonement. And so specifically, the work, when we say it, atonement, it's the making at one, right? Making of at one with Christ and the Father, bringing at one with those who believe in him. And so if you want to turn, I thought we'd read one particular passage as we think about how that um, impacts our life and how important that is. And on our handout, we're going to be around page nine. We're talking about all that happened in the resurrection. And then we'll talk about, we'll be talking about the ascension. So this is one of my favorite passages. If you want, before we get started, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, it's all important to 1 Corinthians 15. So Paul's been writing to the Corinthian church and writing about worship. And he's addressing that there are some who are like, there's some question about what, what was the resurrection? What kind of resurrection was it? Um, was Christ physically raised? Was it a spiritual resurrection? What, what was happening here? Okay. And so um, there's a lengthy body here of, of text talking about the, that resurrection. Right. So I think let's start in um, verse 1. Read a short passage here. Now I'd remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you, as of first importance, what I also received. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was, that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. So kind of before we go into the next part, he's, he's kind of reminding them of the gospel, right? And he gives them a, a short kind of summary, which um, many think that's like a creed that was developed mm -hmm. in the early church. It kind of has, I'm Right, it kind of has a certain structure where it would be um, easily memorized and, and repeated. So he he goes through that in verse three. So what was the the main aspect that Christ what? Look in verse three there. Christ what? What did he go through in that creed? Died for our sins. And he died for our sins. Mm -hmm. Buried. Yeah. Raised on Thursday. And he appeared to see us then to the twelve. Okay. Yeah, so then we've got the appearances. Appear two. So we have a very uh, kind of compact, concise statement that was being memorized, stated, repeated, kind of like a creed there. 
going through what was the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. And so he appeared to, and that starts to he lists several people, right? So who were the first people that he, he appeared to the... Okay, and after that... today is like, what did we see about Christ's resurrection um, in his body? So do you remember, um, what were some things that made us believe through the scriptures that it was a physical body? What, are the, what were some things that we saw in the Gospels that said this was a physical resurrection and not just a ghost or a spirit? He was eating. Mm-hmm. Had some fish. Right? Yeah, they actually got to touch his physical body. Yeah, there's a sense in which there's a couple times where they didn't recognize him right away. Like he was walking with them, they ate, and then they opened their eyes and they realized, oh, this, this is Jesus. But he looked like a normal man. Right. Like, Ooh, Nobody normal. was like, <gasps> yeah. frightened or terrified. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that's kind of an interesting point, the fact that he seems so normal, mm-hmm. right? That they just, oh, here's, it's just. And so we have... Jesus, his body goes through the crucifixion, and they see how it was destroyed, basically. Um, you know, that he was whipped and beaten. Then he's resurrected, his normal, healthy body. He still had the scars we see, right, in his, in his, in his hands and his feet. So then, when we have to think about is, um, he didn't, he still didn't receive his full, like, glorification at that point, right? So I think let's start there in passage... Um, in Acts um, and look at this passage in Revelation. So we're talking about, we talked about a little bit when Jesus appeared to Paul in Acts 9, 3 through 6. I'm going to read that one first. Andy, you want to get that one? Sure. <clears throat> As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. Yeah. So it wasn't like just some guy walked up on the road and, Oh, hi, who are you? I am Jesus, who are you? right? <laughs> so there's this difference in this bright light that flashed. Paul's blinded by it. And then let's read this vision of Jesus from Revelation 1. It's 12 through 16. Let's see. Chris, you can get that one. And then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. 
And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across. His chest with a golden sash, his head and hair were like, were white like white wool, like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. Yeah. So, pretty different, right? <laughs> pretty different than the... Yeah. Right? I, I, I'm, so far when I'm trying to visualize, I'm like, okay, okay. The sword out of the mouth is still hard for me to... <laughs> picture what that exactly looked like. Well, but. That, that's a reference to a passage in Isaiah where the king could just say, off with his head. I mean, I know that's mm-hmm. the queen of hearts, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, just the power to execute. So yeah. I think that's a clear Connection. Old Testament mm-hmm. reference to talk about the power of his voice. Yeah, the voice. Because it, it, it talks both about that and... Yeah, I'm not sure if he's shooting swords. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. So, uh, it might, you know. His voice was like the sound of many waters, right? So, uh-huh. that's definitely a big difference. So, I guess one question is, why, if when he was resurrected, why do you think it was not in this form? Like, when he appeared to all these people... He he was resurrected in this somewhat normal body. Mm -hmm. Because they would have been so afraid that, I mean, I think their response would have killed them. I mean, it was just, it would have been frightening. Yeah. They wouldn't have been able to really interact, right? So it was kind of for their benefit. Plus, they wouldn't necessarily associate that image mm-hmm. with the body they had seen on the cross. They might think it's a different being, mm-hmm. but not the same mm-hmm. Lord risen again. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain aspect in which, you know, Christ was, he humbled himself, taking the form of man, and when he died on the cross, it was important that the resurrected Christ was similar enough, or the same person, that he looked, you know, that same, although it was a resurrected, this new body, they could associate that this was the same man, right? So we see that he didn't, he, he wasn't staggering around broken and bloody, but he also wasn't this glorified, fully in heaven version of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, he, he kind of points that out, like look at my scars and my hands. So it's really key that he made it clear, I was this man that died, I was buried, but now I am a resurrected man same person had been resurrected with this new body. So that resurrection has a big significance. And so I kinda, we're going to go into a lot of these. And so let's pick up back in 1 Corinthians, starting in verse 12. It's kind of where we left off if you're with us there. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, 
whom he did not rise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So he points out a couple of main things. If Christ wasn't raised, he kind of says there at the end, what are, what are kind of two key things that are true? Your faith is futile. Yeah. You've got this futile faith. Right? And we're still in our sins. Yeah. So if Christ is not raised, you've got this futile faith. You're still in your sins. And there's no, right, he, let's say, if Christ is not raised, he says, no one is raised. Right? It all hinges on him. That's the, the key point. Is that if, if Christ wasn't physically raised from dead, then no, no one else, no, there is no resurrection from the grave. And so that's a key point. We, we can't ever concede in any way that Christ was not physically raised. That's a key part of the gospel. Mm -hmm. That he not only died for our sins, he was buried, he paid the sacrifice, but he also, because I think that's something that, that's the more miraculous part, mm -hmm. right? Someone might believe that Christ did die on the cross. Yeah. I, I don't know if this has been a correlation, so please. I'll bear with you. I'll cut you off if it's. Right. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Um, that you know, in Corinthians, the states fall asleep. Oh, uh huh. Um, and there's a regular usage of falling asleep, even when Jesus raises that girl, um, mm -hmm. and he says, and everybody says she's dead. And he says she's just sleeping. Um, there's there seems to be a dichotomy between sleep and death in the Bible, and so I'm assuming that the use of sleep in this situation is in reference to resurrection because we're talking about the resurrection so sleep uh, communicates the possibility for um, awaking once again and so that's why when he says those who have fallen asleep in Christ um, are dead so those who thought those who you know went to sleep thinking that they had resurrection mm -hmm. or had would have a second chance um, at life I guess mm -hmm. Yeah. They are permanently dead. So you're you're seeing that the asleep is another term for that they've they've physically died. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I. Yeah. And then those who have fallen asleep that have hope in Christ, they will be raised, right? Okay. Yeah. I would agree. That's right. All the work we're talking about. There's more all right. All right. <laughs> for, for future for future reference when I read, I want to. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of one of those things like you think about um, like the key breaking point. Like if Christ isn't raised, you're in one that totally has a huge impact on the way you view the world, and everything about life hinges on if Christ is not raised. That's one view. If he is raised, then it's totally different, and there's absolutely no way you can really reconcile how to view life 
between those two opposing viewpoints. And so it forces you, again, if you're having a thinking about talking through the Christian faith with people, re, that's really the a key thing, is it whether or not Christ was raised from the dead. And really just honing in on that point. Was he raised from the dead? If he was, then it means all of these other things follow. Right? So that's kind of what we're talking. What are some things that you think come from, right, that you draw from since Christ was raised from the dead? What does that mean? What are some implications? We also will be raised. Yeah, that's a key one, right? So you think about your own your own life and your own death and your hope for, for eternity. And you've got several of them listed there. He is who he says he is. Right, there's a good point about that, about how he made a lot of claims that he would be raised, right? But if he wasn't, that kind of invalidates mm-hmm. a lot everything. of what Yeah, everything. Lord, liar, lunatic, I think is the way yeah. someone said it. God accepted his sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. Because if he had stayed dead, it was like, didn't didn't mean what it meant. Maybe it wasn't a sufficient payment. I mean, when I walked away from the Lord in college, for me, I wanted to be able to disregard everything that Jesus had ever said. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that he rose from the dead, historically this happened, Mm -hmm. then I had to reckon again with everything else he'd ever said. Because a guy who can rise from the dead after three days is not just a guy. Right. So I couldn't take his teachings as mere teachings by a person, mm-hmm. but this is a word from the maker. Right. One of the implications I often will use is that like when you talk about the other miracles of the Bible, just the supernatural work of God, the authenticity of scripture, mm-hmm. a lot of that is affirmed by Jesus. And if, again, if the greater miracle has happened, and we know that's happened, and all evidence and all history points to that happening, then that, again, validates everything that he said, everything that he did. You know, Jesus affirmed so many things that we also see in Scripture. In that light, it sets them apart from all other, I don't even want to call them deities, but um, others who are worshipped mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in other religions, mm-hmm. Muhammad, um, you know, all of the, mm-hmm. all of the other yeah. religions, it sets them apart from all of what they worship. Right. There's, some would say they're still in the grave, right? We serve yeah. a risen Savior. So he's the, right, his, his teaching is validated. So that's, I mean, that's a huge part. We go, kind of look through this list. Let's, let's read a few of these scriptures. So it demonstrates the validity of the Christian faith, which we talked about in, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. It fulfills the promise made to Old Testament fathers. So let's see. Acts. Uh, Cole, you want to find that one? Acts 13. Um, who else? Let's see. Uh, let's find Romans 1 4. All right. Romans 1 4. Romans 4. And then um, it validated Christ's atoning work. Romans 4 25. Sam, can you get that one? Um, it guarantees the believer's future resurrection and possession. Let's see, we've read the. Let's go. We'll, we'll actually get to that one yet. Um, Ryan, will you get that one? 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 21. So let's kind of go back and hit, 
It's some of those. So Acts 13, 32 to 37. Ready? Yeah. So that's a tremendous difference, right, when we think about a resurrection body, right? And that, we see that Jesus' body, and it wasn't like he was resurrected and then he died later again, right? We see it, uh, we had a couple, couple other people in, the, in uh, the scriptures that were raised back, but then they, then they died again, right? So key difference, no corruption, no decay. And then uh, it establishes his identity as a son with finality. So what was with Romans 1-4? And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Right. So it's by that, and like what Becky was saying, that's what declares to everyone, this man is different. This is the Son of God. Okay. And then, uh, let's see, Romans 4, 25. I think the Sam had that one. Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Yeah, so not just raised that we might be resurrected, but that we might be justified. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a lot of like this stamp of validation on it. Mm -hmm. right, that's nice. uh, First Corinthians 15, 20, 21. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. Yeah, yeah. First fruits, right? So he's the one that's the first. And yeah, I talked about how right death came. What's he talking about there? In that First Corinthians in that passage. Yeah. Got Adam to think. And so that death came in through that one man, and now life has come in through the res resurrection of Christ. Now let's look at um, a couple others with that one as well. So let's go to Philippians. Three. Twenty and twenty-one. Aiden, you get that one. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we shall await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body, with power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Yeah, so we get a citizenship and it's gained in heaven. And then First uh, Peter. Let's go there. 
Anybody got that one? First Peter? Okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Yeah. And then our last one is Acts 17.31. So this is in Paul's address. He's preaching and towards the end, right? In verse, just backing up one verse in verse 30, he says, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So he says specifically that resurrection is demonstrating and testifying to everyone that this man is going to judge um, all of us, right? judge the world in righteousness. And so um, that resurrection body gives us so many, so many of those promises. And so once he was resurrected, he was going around appearing to many people. And then what did what happened at the end of that? He was ascended. Okay. So the ascension is something that um, is kind of the last part of the atonement. We talk about how what happened on the cross, how he died, how he was buried, how he was raised, and then his ascension that we see. So let's kind of read that. Let's go to Acts 1. But in that last verse that you read, I've always loved that it says that he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Mm-hmm. And that assurance that we gain from the resurrection. Yeah, and I think there's, it's like good and bad assurance, right? For those who don't believe, there's a sh- he's giving assurance to them as well. Sure. But there's a definite sense of, where it's like, this is what I'm trusting, that demonstration, that resurrection, that is evidence enough for me to, right, to trust in and have assurance in. It gives me so much hope that he didn't just promise it and then, you know, let's hope that it will be resurrected. Resurrected and never, never stopped. So I guess before we talk about the ascension, is there anything about the the resurrected body that, or the the resurrected Jesus Christ, that we haven't really touched on that you think is something that you see? I was wondering if you touched on maybe before one of the days I wasn't here. I was working. Um, you know, in his uh, talk about the seven brothers who a parable the seven brothers who died, who they will marry. Mm-hmm. And he says at the end, <clears throat> you idiots, you don't know the scriptures or the, you know, the right. faith, but we will be like angels like and spirits, mm-hmm. and there'll be no giving and taking in marriage. Mm-hmm. It's always left me confused about what exactly the body is going to be like. And it, you know, he makes that statement, you can't, Mm-hmm. Turn it down, but um, it's possible that both are true, which I believe. But both keep going. I mean that you can have two things true that seem contradictory, mm-hmm. but they're both true. And like, what specific? Like to have a body or a spirit? You mean? 
He says that we'll be like the angels and have spirits. <clears throat> so I think part, let's go to that passage first, okay. and then we'll talk, talk about, remember which, which gospel that's in? Matthew. Twenty two, twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. The same day Sadducees came. They're sad, you see, right? These are yes. the ones that <laughs> they don't believe, the they don't believe in the resurrection. <laughs> Just to make it clear. They came to him, 22, 23, Matthew 22, 23, who say that there's no resurrection. And they ask him a question saying, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for her. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and the third down to the seventh, after them all the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, you paraphrased it, (laughs) you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. So um, it definitely says that, um, you know, in the resurrection, they will neither marry nor are given in marriage, and they, but they are like the angels in heaven. So I think in one sense, he's saying that the angels aren't married either. So that's kind of the way in which we're like them. And, but we did talk about one day how the properties of our physical body are going to be different if we look at Jesus' example. Because Jesus had this physical body, but he would appear right in the midst of them. You know, the door was locked, it says in that one passage. So we kind of don't really know what the properties of that physical body are, but they're going to be different. There's no decay. It possibly can appear and disappear in different places. But we do see examples like in this one he refers to you know, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, or if we think about, you know, the, the transfiguration where you, he sees, like, uh, these physical bodies of these men, but then they disappear. There's a sense in which their physical bodies are different than ours. That... So, I would say, yeah, there's, we're going to have physical bodies that are different than our own, maybe d- don't obey the same physical properties. Well, I'm rereading Alcorn's book on heaven. Oh, on heaven, I'm yeah. Really confused on are babies going to be babies or right? Are they going to be all going to be 25 years old? Yeah, like yeah. There's a lot of unknown speculation. A lot yeah. of speculation. It's fun though. Like we we had the loss of a pet, you know, and uh, so will we see? You know, <laughs> talk to Ben about will you know. <laughs> specifically about um, marriage and angels. Okay. Um, I mean, he says, you know, you will neither marry nor be given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. 
But there's, um, but there's clear evidence in the Bible of the Nephilim and of fallen of you know the fallen angels mm. engaging in conjugal relations with human beings. Um, that might be for another okay. <laughs> another t- another time. Right. <laughs> I'll pull Dave aside at some point and be like, "Look, no, you can we, this guy. we can talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it." I don't know. I feel like you're putting it all. That's like <laughs> true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's true. I, I just tried completely trust in your ability to explain right. it. I will yeah. I will. I will go as far as I know from scriptures. <laughs> but there, there are mysteries. I mean, the passage in Matthew only tells us that we're not, we're not married. Mm-hmm. We're not regenerating. You know, we're not mm-hmm. generating children. So what's the role of gender? Are there still men and women in heaven? Mm-hmm. Well, we were created male and female to image him. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not gendered in the sense of this is how we regenerate. Mm-hmm. But there is still the sense that we're created to be his image bearers. Mm-hmm. And we're created embodied and we're always going to be embodied. Mm-hmm. And those bodies are going to have properties. And when you look at Jesus, there's more properties that are similar than different. Mm-hmm. Except when he's appearing in scary visions. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. We see that he ate. I mean, yeah. there's, we talked about that last time. Will we need he, to eat? He well, we still eat. Yeah. He what? Oh, oh, maybe he has a beard. Maybe he has a beard. <laughs> but like we talked about, you know, will we sleep? Is that, you know, is it a need? Is it something that glorifies God? Like there's certain things that we just, they are somewhat mysterious. Yeah. And uh, I think one thing, one important thing to remember is that um, the scriptures are given to us for the purpose of giving us pointing us to Christ and helping us to know how we can know God in this life. And there's many, many questions that are left unanswered. And it's important to search and search and search. But if the Bible is silent or speaks very little something, that means it's low on his priority list of what is important for us to know. And so it's important that we major on the things in which the scriptures major. And the things that are repeated, the things that are clear, the things that are a theme throughout, that's what God wants the scriptures to to be. That's the purpose of the scriptures. And so if we're searching for a question that you read all through and it's just not there, it's an important thing to realize that God didn't want it to be there. It's not that it doesn't have an answer. It's just that we don't need to, I mean, it can it'd be fun to talk about, right, and to just kind of search out. But all the things that are important are clear in, the, in that sense. And the, the less important it is, maybe the less clear it is. So how did he answer where's... Oh, we, I was trying to think of the name of um, Skipper. That's who it was. Yeah, we're Skipper. Little Skipper. Skipper a dog? Skipper was a kitten. A kitten. Skipper was a little kitten that That's belonged to our baby. littlest child. <laughs> <laughs> and um, actually, he, he didn't... Um, I've answered it with other pets with the other kids. And we've talked about how the Bible does talk about there being animals in heaven. And that there's... They're being sacrificed in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> That's I was really going with the lion and the lamb. Skipper has a greater cause. <laughs> the child playing with the adder or whatever, like a couple of spots where you're like, well, you know, there's a possibility that there are animals in heaven. I'm sure you probably thought through this. It every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I always have the same answer. If one animals according to the scripture you don't have a soul but two if your heaven will be more complete when Christ says I go away to prepare a room for you and your room isn't going to be complete without skipper 
then why would he not give you skipper? Right. Yeah, there's a sense in which, you know, if, if, you, if you're a father and you know how to, your child asks for bread and you don't give him a snake, right? You're a good right. father in that sense. <laughs> then how much more will your Heavenly Father give to those who ask of him? So there's, there's a lot of guesswork. But I've never said Skipper was going to be there waiting for you, yeah. right? With the cloud witnesses cheering you there's, on. Any, yeah. there's not going to be any sacrifice because there's no death in heaven. So what kind of meat are they going to have at these banquets? Not a good question. So not skipper. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we were definitely on topic. Yeah. I think we're getting ready to read from Acts. That's where we are. Acts one. Let's go there. So we have the ascension. Right. Let's let's talk about the ascension. So let's see. Let's read. Leo, I see you're wanting to read. Thank you for raising your hand spiritually. Uh, Acts 1. Right? Uh, starting in verse 9, if you read 9 through 11. Alright. And, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And he said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay. So that's, we have his resurrection and then he ascends. I don't know how to draw the pictures. I always see them in the books. But you've got ascension, he's in heaven. <coughs> And then later we'll have his return. And then if you talk about Revelation, you can add a whole bunch of other things to the end of your, your diagram. So what are some things that we see that the ascension kind of signals that it makes possible? Well, the first one is that it marks the end of Christ's self-limiting. Right? So we talked about that a little bit earlier. How Now he's in his fully glorified state. He's no longer emptied himself. He's... Um, at the at the right hand of God in His full glory, and if you remember in John, He prays, you know, glorify Your Son, right, with the glory that He had with You in the beginning before. All right. So the second one is that it's an occasion for Christ's exaltation and glorification. We're talking about how that prayer was in John seventeen five. It marks the entrance of resurrected humanity, right? So that is a big one for us. Like He's signaling for us. <laughs> right. This is the way in which, right? I was. I'm going to ascend into heaven. So his body ascends up, and um, that cha it changes a lot, right? So they had this this time of ministry where Jesus was there physically among them, ministering to them, teaching them, healing them. He's accomplished his work on the cross. He ascends into heaven. So now, how how does that change the way in which his believers, his followers, follow him? So one of the key ways is Christ's rule, right? So let's turn to Hebrews 7 and see. Because he's no longer physically here among us, teaching and healing and performing miracles. But in Hebrews 7, let's start in uh, verse 23. And we'll read 23 to 25. Andy, you want to get that? Sure. 
<clears throat> let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and nope. good works. Wait, I'm in the wrong spot. Hebrews 7. Oh, he's the wrong spot. That's my instinct. Yeah. That's one of our favorite passages. That's one of our favorite passages. All right, 7 what? 7, 23 to 25. Okay, I'll try to get there. This one's good. This one's good too. <laughs> the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from the continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So he's our great high priest. Right? He's in heaven. And he is our high priest. Doing what things does it say there? I don't know what they And he's doing what as our high priest? Interceding for us always. Interceding. Okay. Anything else? Or is that what it is? So that's an, that's um, now he is interceding for us. He's not withdrawn, but he's still mindful of us, thinking of us, interceding for us, the right hand of God. So he's still actively involved, and. Uh, when he left, he also right, said, he promised them in John 16, 7, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Right, so who's he talking about? Yeah, sending, right, talking about the Holy Spirit. And so the role of the Holy Spirit then be, kind of takes a center, center point where he is now reminding us and working in us and dwelling in us to... Remind, this is what Christ has said. This is what Christ has done, right? Assuring us. He talks about the Holy Spirit assuring us of our salvation in the same way that the resurrected Christ does that. So there's a sense in which, as he ascended, then we see the Holy Spirit kind of taking more of a central role, right? We're not saying that the Holy Spirit wasn't active before that. It's just that that role has been modified in the sense that what Jesus did, now the Holy Spirit is taking a prominent role in directing us to Jesus, helping us to understand the scriptures, right? Helping us to follow, right? There's all these things that if we study, which I think we're getting to. Is that the next? I don't think it might be the next one. So we talked about the person of Christ, the work of Christ, and we're beginning to talk about the Holy Spirit. It served as an opportunity to, for Christ to give us spiritual gifts. What's it? We got Ephesians 4 8. When he ascended on high, he led, a captive, he led captive by hosts of captives and he gave gifts to men, right? So we've talked about, let's go to, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians, let's say, um, 12, right? Starting in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith, and by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing, by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so we see that there's this giving of gifts so that we can continue to do the work of the ministry as Christ is in heaven. And then, Floyd talked about this one a little bit, right? It allows for the preparation of our future home. So John 14, right? So this is kind of right before, right? When they're talking about, I'm going away from you. Where are you going, right? We don't know the way. Well, if you know me, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you also, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. That's another thing we can put up here, that Jesus is uh, in heaven or preparing a place. Preparing a place for us. That's something that he specifically promises. That's very hopeful, I think, especially, again, we're ministering to a lot of family members, church members who are, they're not sure, right, whether that, whether that cancer treatment will be effective, whether they have another month, six months, a year, and I was talking to my dad um, this week about, you know, Paul's Philippians, you know, it's better to be with Christ by far. His first response was, well, I'm not ready to go yet, you know, he's like, I plan on staying around longer, and I, that's good, you know, full ministry, um, but at the same time, you know, God is preparing a place for us. So we have something to long for, something to look forward to. At the same time, not something to fear, something to dread. So I think out of all those, um, they all give us a reminder of that his ascension, there's a, there's a comment down here in, that at, in Acts 1, 1.11, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. And so, if we think about it, we can imagine that as he gradually, visibly, and bodily ascended into the clouds, that he will return, right? And that he will have a body, he will return from the sky back to the earth. And so it gives us this, this is how he ascended, and he says it's going to happen in the same way. He's going to return to you, um, like I said, um, will come in the same way you have watched him go into heaven. So it's something that we can look forward to. Um, at the end here, I'll give you some extra reading that you can look at. There is a little appendix on, just to kind of give a little preface of what, what's going on here, on the application of the atonement. And so just if you've never thought about the, the idea of what, if you've heard people say limited or unlimited atonement, there's a little bit of debate in that um, we see that the scriptures talk about Christ died to pay for the sins of the world, but we see that not all people are saved. Okay, so there's this agreement. Everyone agrees, no, not everyone's going to be saved. And that an offer of the gospel can be made to every person that lives. So the question is, um, what does it mean that he paid for the sins of the world? Did he pay for the sins of only those whom he actually saves? Did his death pay for the sins of those who aren't saved? 
And so why did he, you know, why did his, his death pay for those sins, but not, they weren't actually saved? So there's a little bit of a discussion on what that means and what that looks like. And so um, there's kind of a walkthrough in terms of how Christ's death can be sufficient to pay for all the sins of the world and yet not um, be uh, actualized in all people. That even those people who are not saved, Christ's death was sufficient to pay for, for those sins. So there's some scriptures in there that you can read through that are kind of interesting. We'll probably get started on. Next week we have an altar Sunday school. Oh, okay. So don't come here. But still go up there. Yeah. Okay, altar Sunday school. So the next time we get together in this classroom for this Sunday school class, we'll be probably talking about the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Lord, is a joy, and it's such an encouragement to think about the resurrection and the ascension. And again, it separates, um, it separates all of life. It separates all people into those who put their faith and trust in a resurrected Jesus and those who have no hope of resurrection. For all, all men have gone to the grave and stay dead, right? There's, a, there's such a huge difference. And I pray that you give us boldness, um, and uh, that you give us assurance, that you give us courage to speak the great message of the gospel in our families and in our workplaces and um, with one another, just in areas where the gospel needs to be heard and proclaimed. And that you give us, again, a desire and an ability to send and to go into parts of our community and in parts of the world where they have not heard the gospel and do not believe the gospel, that it might be shared and proclaimed and your kingdom might grow. Pray that you would bless us this morning and continue to draw us close to you and that you'd be worshiped and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.